podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening and welcome to the All Over Podcast the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action or with the West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Moreover Rugby Podcast. No, we're not. We're at Moreover Podcast, aren't we? We're at Moreover Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can find all of our stuff on um, Anchor and Apple Pods and Google Store and I think Spotify and lots of other places. Uh, but you already know that if you're listening to us by now. Uh, I'm Russ. I host this thing. And this week I'm joined by uh, Housewives Favourite. Um, veterinary professional Phil Elkins, how you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. How are you, Russ? Uh, very well, tired, mate. I'm tired. Um, I was up late last night, but uh, that's that's another story. And uh, everybody's favorite, the not according to the Twitter poll that we did a few weeks ago, but uh, yeah, I think the people's champ, Ben Eustace. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, I was gonna say that was completely factually inaccurate, wasn't it? It was. I just. I think. I think your fans needed to vote for you a little bit more. Yeah. They all, well, everybody votes for Doug, didn't they? Yeah. Well, poor old Matt could only vote so many times, couldn't he? I know. Yeah. I think he's got an unhealthy is, um, obsession with you, Ben. I think. The problem is that that Doug's audience is the Twitter audience. Your audience, Russ, is the Facebook audience. Ben is is the Instagram generation, <laughs> and I and I'm clearly off. Um, Grinder, Tinder, Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> you said Grinder first. Freud, Freudian, that wasn't it? Amazing, amazing. Um, I trust you both had a good weekend. Lots of rugby on. Six Nations was back. The reason I'm I'm tired is that I stayed up for the Super Bowl last night. Weirdly, I'm recording this podcast from Doug's front room, but Doug isn't here now. Where, where is he? Doug is out having dinner with uh, with his dad and his auntie and his girlfriend, um, whilst I am sitting in his house, drinking his beer and yeah, recording a podcast. Um, it's um, it's not gone all a bit Fritzel up there, is it? <laughs> a little bit, Joseph. Yeah, are you free to leave, Russ? Just uh, well, yeah. This is that would be awkward, wouldn't it? If if Doug yeah. traps me in, just just blink twice for yes. <laughs> he beat me at golf today as well and I don't you know I have to admit that early um but I did give him a few shots but he played very well so uh I'm sure he'll remind everybody of that as we uh as we go through the um as we go through the weeks shall we talk about some six nations action seems a good place to start good right so let's start at the millennium stadium because that's what it's called, isn't it? Let's be fair. The Principality. Um, a new style. No. A new generation of Welsh team under um, Wayne, Wayne Pivak. Wayne Pivak? Shane Pivak. Why can't I remember Wayne, his name? Wayne, Wayne Pivak. But um, everybody's taken to calling him Wayne Pivak. Pivak. Uh, it's not Pivak, yeah, is it? It's Pivak. It's got to be Pivak. It's always been Pivak. Um against against a an Italy side um it's hard to describe no it's not actually it's not hard to describe Shit. its performance is it because Italy were gash at best um I can't remember 
a worse well, in fact, until England on Sunday, a worse, a worse, a worse first half or a worse performance from a Six Nations side. It was, it was dreadful. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say than that, is there? I mean, it, Italy, they they haven't won now for God knows how long. Was it 35, 36 Six Nations games on the bank, something like that? Um, but historically you would always expect them to be in a fight in the first half and then just get overpowered out out fitnessed substitutes don't really step up to the mark and then the teams in the second half come on and score a, a hat load of points frankly the scoreline at half time kind of didn't really do any justice to how poor Italy were um and I think we can't we can't keep having the same conversations again and again about how crap Italy are without somebody not saying that they listen to us. People generally can't keep having the same conversations without somebody at, at the Six Nations going, We need to change this. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it needs to be changed, whether that's a uh, promotion relegation playoff, whether that's a two tier system, whether that's going back to five nations, I don't really know, but it's a Something needs to change because it's not doing Italy any favours and it's not doing anybody else any favours. No, agree. I mean, looking at, um, you know, Georgia played Romania on Sunday in what's the Rugby Europe Championship. Um, Russia, Spain, which was 31 12 to Spain. Georgia beat Romania 41 13, and Portugal beat Belgium 23 17. Um, and there are you know those six teams that are in the second tier sort of below the the six nations as such so um could it be that they they would look to run a a relegation playoff at some point maybe at the start of the summer tour uh window between between those two sides that finish bottom and top of of those respective leagues ben do you reckon um, well, I'm not sure at the moment Georgia would beat Italy. Um, no, but at least they've got the opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I do think they should perhaps start pushing Georgia in the, you know, further in the right direction. I mean, I can't see any reason other than cold hard cash why the, the Georgians shouldn't be a warm up game for the Lions. Um, I think yeah. that'd be a great idea. Um, you know. I think I, I just want to echo what Phil said really about Italy in that they used to they used to make a mess of a game and they were hard to beat. Whereas these guys were just beating themselves. You know, whenever they did make a break, they, they would just try and offload, forgetting they're not Sonny Bill Williams. You know, they, they were trying to flick balls off the ground. There was a lot of stuff coming out of the back of the hand where it didn't really need to. And you know, they tried for the sort of 10, 12 Mike Cat, Johnny Wilkinson, Axis, but they they forgot that your ten and twelve have to be half decent first. <laughs> if you're paying a ten and twelve just to sum up one decent fly half, that's not quite the point. It's supposed to add creativity, and you know they just yeah. kick the ball down um, half Penny's throat for the whole game. And half Penny, he's not quite as attacking as Liam Williams, but he's always going to be stood in the right place. And if you're just going to kick aimlessly, he's going to run it back at you, and that's what I he think- did. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of, um, I saw a lot of comments and stuff about 
Halfpenny and Wales attack in general um, at the weekend. People saying, oh, Lee Halfpenny's, um, Lee Halfpenny's attacking prowess is often underrated. And I was like, I don't kind of believe that to be true. Like you just said, Italy kicked the ball straight down his throat. Yeah, I mean, he's and... not hes not a complete oh, he's, not, he's not crap. You know, no, he's not rubbish by any stretch of imagination. I just think Wales, I think within 10 minutes, Wales had kind of twigged that they didn't really need to get out of third gear to get the bonus point. So they didn't try and cut loose because there was no need to. I mean... I mean, the real plus for them was, well, Falatau getting through the game until he, you know, he was just rested. And obviously Tompkins, I mean, at least England didn't need a centre who could cut a line anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I know we've we've all been critical of the rankings in the past and the way they work, but they, they tell a story. And what they tell at the moment is no team other than Scotland can win any ranking points by beating Italy. That's how bad they are that it's considered. Phil, are you in a washing machine? No. Um, there might be a cup of tea being made in the background. Oh, lovely. But, um, but yeah, so no team apart from Scotland can win any ranking points. So it's effectively a given that Italy are going to lose. That's how bad they are. They just I didn't just... offer very much, did they? No, and and it's a shame because they just are struggling for halfbacks, aren't they? They've got a good back row. Um, yeah, Pelledri, he was Pelledri was decent to be fair to him, and he's always going to be because he's a big, strong, angry man. Yeah, they had some some young props who who did pretty well, I would say. Um, but you know that that used to be their real strength, didn't it? Their, their set piece and. Yeah, they don't really have that they were, to fall they, back on they anymore. Were always, they were all they were always solid, weren't they? Almost to the point of dependable in yes. the set piece. Whereas you know, and you know what what l- looked like it was lacking to me in um, in Italy's play was any real leadership. And I know that's going to be difficult now that Parise's sort of retired i know they're going to bring him back for the england game to a certain extent aren't they and let him have a a farewell in rome but that lack of leadership for italy it is going to be a bit of a transitional period for them yeah very much so and the one thing i would say is um the substitute that came on i think he was lazaroni the bold the bold-headed second row i thought he actually showed a few decent flashes because they were very lightweight you know particularly in the row and I, I thought he he should be in with a shout I would have thought of a, of a game next week but you know other than that I mean great bit of skill by Bigger for one of the tries um, the through the legs piece yeah I thought Hadley Parks played pretty well um, as well yeah. um, what did you make of the Parks and North um, partnership they didn't really just... have to do much did they I just think North's a better um, winger than he is centre. And, and somehow I think we might end up talking about players playing out of position a bit later on uh, and how it's not an ideal option. And if you've got um, Tompkins playing so well, I don't, I, you know, that would be my choice. And I'd probably just move North back to the wing. Well, I, I got a bit of pelters on Twitter for saying that the wingers weren't going to get any ball with Parks and and Adam and uh, North inside them. 
oh, but Adam's got a hat-trick, that none of those tries came from a pass from any of the starting <laughs> centres. The first one actually came from Tompkins when he was on as a as a replace as a temporary replacement. But I, I don't know. It doesn't. It was. It it just doesn't inspire. Um, it doesn't inspire fifteen man rugby having two centres who are not renowned for their passing ability or unselfishness. Not saying okay. that Hadley Parks is selfish because he plays a role and he plays that role very well. But that role is not as a distributor. It was. It was nothing short of sort of Gatland ball again, wasn't it? Tough. Yeah. And against and against better teams, they're, they're going to have to be a lot more inventive than they were against Italy. It was, it, it must be nice for any six, any of the six nations well, other than Italy to open their campaign with a home game against Italy. I'm because... sure Italy. I'm sure Italy would love to start with a home game against Italy. They might have a chance of winning something. Well, that, um, that Italy team would find a way for them both to lose if they played. But it's. What do we learn from this game? That Nick Tompkins is an international class centre. That's about the only thing that we learn. Everything else was pretty much known and a given. Um, yeah. I think we probably learned that um, Dan Big is the form ten. He's very good. Yeah, but we might. You know what? He, already, but... he yeah, he probably has been for six months. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very he's a very very good player. Um, let's move on from from Wales Italy because it was, you know, it was an arson of of biblical proportions. Really, forty two nil. Um, and move on to the Aviva Stadium on Saturday evening, the Ireland Scotland game. Um. Poor Caelan uh, Doris on his debut going off after five minutes with, with a head injury concussion. He didn't know what day it was, did he? He got a, a bang in the chest. Was it Kean Healy? It was one of his own players, wasn't it, that uh, that he came together with? And he was he was absolutely wiped out cold. Um, but it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty abject first half in a way for me. Scotland did all of the right things, made all of the right noises. And and they they it sort of followed a similar pattern throughout the game really, and they just every single every single time that they got the ball in a position to score, they found a way to fuck it up, and it was you know they did all of the hard work to get themselves into positions and then just just balls it up, and you know a lot of credit goes to Ireland's defence, but. I think Scotland were as bad in that area of the pitch as Ireland were good, Ben. Yeah, well, it, it, it's an old problem for Scotland, you know, um, probably for the last 10 to 15 years that it's been a sort of feature that they've got into five or 10 metres out and been unable to finish it off. And I think they, they've cut that out in the last few years by scoring from distance. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Hastings played pretty well, but, you know, without Russell, it, it's slightly different um setup there well i heard a i heard a bit of an interesting story about this um i heard through a um an unnamed source that uh it wasn't finn russell wasn't actually that drunk to be kicked out of the squad and the whole um team protocol um so apparently it was nothing to do with the booze 
Uh, not entirely sure, sure what happened, but World War Three between Russell and Townsend when they arrived after the Saracens Racing match, Finn was at the team hotel for less than ninety minutes. Uh, his lawyer told him not to say anything more at the moment and Rassing are all over it. And I believe they are hoping that the SRU make an ill-advised statement so they can get him on that. Scottish rugby um, haven't really made any comment other than leaving him out of the squad again for the Calcutta Cup this weekend. Um, apparently the the relationship between Russell and Townsend broke down after Twickenham last year. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I- again... Finn Russell might have had a beer or two, which loosened his lips a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't the fact that he was drunk or, you know, disorderly contact. It was it was a, an argument with Townsend. I was um missed training on the Monday as well. Well but, he was I mean, he was sent home, wasn't he? That was well, I it. thought that was I thought that was after he'd missed training. I thought he'd gone out, he didn't get to training on time, and maybe he didn't get to training because he'd had a bust up with Townsend. Um, and then for not being there, that's why they kicked him out. I don't know. It's all. The bottom line is, if you've got a player like that, there's obviously a degree of, let's call it ego, involved. Um, it's Townsend's job to make it work or not work. Uh, and, not, and, I think not, Scot- and I think yeah. the Scots got to got to trust him on that. They they do, but equally as good as Finn Russell is. You know, and he can do some magical stuff. I thought Adam Hastings had a really good game. Yeah, I thought he was solid. But, but I suppose if you, I'm not saying Finn Russell is is in any way Marlon Yard, but when he left Quinns, nobody was crying about it. Everybody seemed relatively happy that he was gone because I think he was quite disruptive within the the group. Equally, there's no noise coming out of the rest of the Scottish camp going. I wish Finn Russell was here. It's a shame that he's not been here. They all seem fairly um, unified in their in their stance on it, whether that be official or unofficial. Well, the rumour was, wasn't it, that um, at Twickenham at half-time with Scotland getting a thorough assing at the time, that Townsend said to stay with the plan and Russell basically told him he was talking out of his ass, and they needed to change it up a bit. So whether it's been, like Russ said, brewing since then, and if, if that is the case, then probably sticking up for Finn probably isn't the, the best career move right now in the Scotland squad, possibly. <laughs> yeah, you need, to, you need to side with the coach if you want to play. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, you know, Scotland, there were some pretty decent performances there. Like, uh, is it Johnson in the centres? I thought he played really well. Yeah, I thought Johnson yeah. was good. Um, but... You know the the the, the Irish just—they were too dogged in defence, weren't they? Um, you know, Stander with a couple of turnovers, thought he had a really good game, and and they just uh, they just just couldn't get across the line. And they, they stuck the, to the task, didn't they? The Irish, the yeah. but the Irish, the Irish weren't weren't brilliant really by any stretch of the imagination, especially in attack. Well, I think they just dogged it out, didn't they? Um, you know, what I th- what I thought was re- very odd was. Um, Bayfield's interviews at the end of the match. I didn't see them, but I saw you commented on it. Well, I, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but he basically just went, you know, Omani's come off the pitch, hard-fought win. You feel pretty good defending on your line like that. And, and then he pretty much said, well, you were pretty terrible. You've been lucky to get away with that. And he kind of 
he kind of looked at him and then he looked at him a bit longer. And I think he was just sort of sizing up if, if it was wise to hit a man that big. And in the end, he just went, I'll, I'll have to disagree with you there. And then, and then he, he kind of did it a bit with Townsend as well. He, he kind of went, you must be really disappointed. Townsend kind of said, not that disappointed. I thought we played quite well. It was, um, it was, it was very odd, I thought. It's just, you know, because I thought um, O'Driscoll and uh, Wilkinson and McGeekham were, were pretty good in the studio. Oh, yeah, that, that I meant to say that about the, the Italy-Wales game with Jonathan Davis, Faf de Klerk, Michael Checker, um, the other Jonathan Davis on comms. It, it was quite the eclectic mix in it, 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 the Wales game. But you're right, Wilkinson, O'Driscoll and, and McGeekham were, you know, they knocked spots off those other guys. Which is, which is why they got the game that was likely to be um, interesting. I bet ITV paid um, as well. I do, I, yeah. um, I do think, though, that if you look at Belgium and Ireland, they've got new coaches and they've got opportunities to switch things around in terms of how they play. You, and you look at the teams that have been produced and the way that they've played, and it's pretty much sticking with the same formula. It's more of the same. Um, and... It's understandable why, from the Farrell perspective, obviously having been part of that wider Ireland setup, um, but I just, I don't know, I just hoped for a bit more inventiveness, openness from from one of the two sides. I get the whole, we've got something that works to a point, why change it? But I just, I just hoped for a bit more, um, yeah. Evolution, not revolution. Yeah, evolution, not more of the same. A bit more. Actually, we've got this, and we know it achieves that. Let's let's try adding something a little bit different. Ireland know what they do, and they do it bloody well. Apart from in the World Cup, Um, Scotland know what they do, and they do that bloody well, which is turn down scoring opportunities for the last fifteen years. And the match was almost a parody of. Ireland, Scotland over the last 10 years. It's Ireland not necessarily playing particularly pretty rugby, but dogging things out and, and doing the dog work very well. Scotland looking pretty good and pretty pretty impressive until they get anywhere near the opposition's try line and then doing a Stuart Hogg. Doing a Stuart That was one of the worst pieces of rugby from a player of his cal- from a player of his calibre. Or any, you know, any any player of any caliber that does that. I mean, it wasn't as even as if he knocked it on. He just he just try. I don't know what he was thinking because he was just trying to. It was when he celebrated the try afterwards as well. (laughs) No, try and style this out. Knowing full well that he dropped the ball and he was he absolutely you know he balls it right up. But uh, yeah, I thought Scotland were were unlucky. I thought that. Yeah, the last penalty that gave Ireland the the win, um, or allowed them to shut the game out. I thought that was a bit harsh. Was, the French the, ref- one... the French referee was he was very liberal at the breakdown. I thought, yeah, as they always but, are, but still managed to be fussy enough to break the game up in the especially in the first half. Yeah, was was that the penalty you're talking about there, Russ? Was that the the blocking run on the on the kick chase? No, this was the the last penalty right on the Irish line. It was they went, um, they went for a few phases. Standard turnover. Standard oh, okay, yeah. Turnover, but... Because 
on the um the, the penalty that the Irish won where I think it was Johnson um you know he did run a, a blocking line. But I thought they were quite lucky not to get that turn round because um Hastings called a mark and then two Irish defenders absolutely wasted yeah, it. Yeah, they, they destroyed him. It, well it was um yeah, Johnson ran into was it into Henshaw Ring Rose maybe? Oh no, it was um Conway. Andrew Conway, wasn't it? And he changed his line to to get in his way. But you're right. They absolutely murdered Hastings, didn't they, off the back of the mark? Yeah. And it was it it was it wasn't committed. It wasn't uh oh yeah, we're committed, we have to go for it. They had plenty of time to to pull out of that, one hundred percent. Um should we should we move on? A, a solid start for, for Ireland, you know, four points in the bag. They uh they entertain Wales this week, which are uh, sorry, they go to Wales or entertain Wales. Either way, I think it's gonna be a, an interesting game for both teams to see how Wales come off the back of that um the 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 Italy humping and how Ireland bounced back from from a pretty abject performance against Scotland. Um that's it at the Aviva on Saturday lunchtime. Saturday evening, sixteen forty-five is Scotland versus England, Calcutta Cup. Let's talk a little bit before we talk about the Calcutta Cup about England uh and their performance yesterday in, in Paris. Um before first we get question, first, go on. I was going to say, before we get into England, can we just, because I, I feel like there's going to be a bit of a slating going on, and, and rightly so, but I don't really want to lose the fact that France were absolutely amazing in that game. Like, I, France are the team that come out of this weekend looking the best, without a shadow of a doubt, as far as I'm concerned. Like, they did everything right. Yes, yes and no. For me, I thought I thought the French were were good. I thought the fact that you know it's a a new side coming together. I mean, I think Dupont is an absolute. I think he's a great player, and Untermac will will become. Will he go down the the Freddie Michelac route of being an amazing player in fits and starts, or will he will he be more consistent? Um, Fiku and Vakatawa, uh, you know, Fiku's entirely functional. Uh, Vakatawa's <laughs> X Factor. Then you've got Teddy Thomas and um, oh, who was the other winger that came in for Penno? He scored the try. Who had a, who had a really good game? Um, uh, Rattez. 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 Rat- and then, Did you and then see the... the nose on him? What a beak. <laughs> that what was like beak. Concord. But, yeah. And the, um, and the fullback, um, Baltier. Who I thought had a had a really good game, um, but what what made it for me for the for the French was the level of intensity that came from their defence in the first half. They just they did not allow England uh, a second. Didn't give them a meter. You know, England were going into the twenty two. They were they were going through phases, and the next thing you know, they've they've gone through another three phases, and they're fifteen meters back. It's just they were all over the place. Um, Manu Tuolangi going off. Do you think that had a, that, do you think that had a big impact? Do you think it was a as bigger impact as as people were saying? Well, yeah, I think it, I think it had to because the team is effectively built around Billy. Um, so I think they were going to use Tuolangi a lot more as a sort of surrogate, and um, and then he went off as well. 
and then they tried to use <laughs> Jonathan Joseph in the same way, and that that really didn't work. Um, yeah, what you said about the French defence is absolutely right. I think they had the five top tacklers, um, yeah. and the, the number eight Audrey. You know, he was he was brilliant as well. Um, but they they it just was, it, it was very the speed in the middle, wasn't it? Yeah, the they defense. were. You know, they were just pushing, like you say, England back. I think England averaged just over a meter a carry. Um, so, so did it? Did it make as big of a difference as people say? No, because it never makes as big of a difference as people say, because people are idiots. But did it make a massive difference to Langford? Yes, because in the first five minutes, actually, he took, a... and as much as he didn't make great yardage, he sucked people in, and you could see that they were using him in the way that he should be used. Mm. Um, whereas certainly World Cup final, various other Leicester games, they use him more as a decoy. But to, as you've said multiple times, Ben, to be a good decoy, there's got to be a threat that every so often you're actually going to get it. And the first five minutes, it, it looked pretty promising. It looked brutal, but it looked pretty promising. And then it all... And then Fred around. scored. Yeah. Well, once, once Thomas scored that try, England didn't seem to know how to react to it. And it, you know, it was a good try. I think the defence was poor, but they worked it well. I think Underhill missed the tackle um, off the ruck and they came through and and went through a couple of sets of hands and and, and Thomas went over. Um, But England never recovered from that. And, you know, we can celebrate the French line speed and, and say, you know, what the fantastic job Sean Edwards has done getting them prepped and their defence ready for, for this game. But England made some some pretty, you know, rudimentary errors. You know, every time England took the ball into contact, it seemed that they were spilling it out the guts. There was routine passes going down from Furbank and Farrell. Um, you know, the front, the front's rush defence was up in England faces very, very quickly. But how often did you see England try and chip in behind? How often did you see England, you know, every single ball carrier, you know, whenever we got to their 22, the amount of times that Sinclair and Itoji and Laws took the ball from Youngs, which was horrifically slow, by the way. His service was beyond slow yesterday. Um, it, It was always from a standing start. No, we had nobody ever attacking the ball at pace, which meant we had no chance of ever getting over the gain line. Now, when you've got Billy and Mako to a certain extent, off a standing start, those guys can usually get a little bit of go forward. What England didn't have was any ability to go forward whatsoever. So, no, and, so then... You go, Ben. I, I was just going to say, it's partly because the eight didn't pick you know, pick up from the back of the scrum once. No, and, because it's not, he's not an eight. He's, because he's a seven. And, and I'm not criticising Tom Curry at all. He, he did his best, you know, in, in what was a pretty ropey situation for him because, and, and England's pack actually in the scrums was doing pretty well. So they yeah. needed some control at the back there. Phil probably knows better than me, but it, I don't think they made the most of, of, of the go forward they had there because he wasn't used to dealing with it. Was it the um, first? Was it the first scrub first that they scrum. left the ball behind? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the ball came out about a foot to Curry's left, and 
he left it. Now, your job as a flanker is is to push, is to primarily hold your prop in nice and tight, get an angle, get a shove on, um, be a be a nuisance to their nine. Um, and ninety five percent of the time, you don't need to worry about the ball. Occasionally, it will squirt out, and you've got to give it a little nudge. As an eight. After you make that initial shove, your focus needs to be entirely on the ball. And if that was an experienced state there, it doesn't need to be Billy, any experienced state, probably even someone like Chris Robshaw's played played more at eight than Curry, would have seen that ball, would have changed the channel that they were in and moved across and got their foot on the ball straight away. And that ball's ours. Now, I think you're right, Russ, there was no go forwards ball and the, and the forwards were taking it static. I think part of the reason they were taking it static was because... They were expecting it a second before it comes out. Because you look, the ball's there, nine's bending over. That's when you make your run. And Young's is bending over to pick it up, then getting up looking, then bending back down, then putting his hands on the ball, then a second later picking it up, and then taking two steps before he passed it. You can't you can't time anything off that. It's, it's just too slow. But... To me, yes, there's significant personal issues. We like, and we will get into that, and we'll discuss it. But to me, the the big problem, and we've said it pretty much every time, that Billy's not been available in an Eddie Jones team, or Tuolangi's not been there, and there isn't a bit of bulk in the in the middle, is they've got Plan A, and they've got no concept what to do when Plan A doesn't work. And is that overcoaching or is that there's nobody on the field? Like, you, you can guarantee if Finn Russell was on the field, they wouldn't have kept doing the same thing and getting screwed over by it. He would have changed it up and tried something differently. If you, you can guarantee if Cipriani was on the field, he would have changed something and done something different. Now, I'm not saying we should be playing Cipriani. What I'm saying is there's a problem with this England setup whereby they do plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, they keep doing plan A. Yeah, they yeah. Kept, kept going for one-out runners, and one-out runners was getting nowhere. They needed to go two-out with a forward, or they needed to start shifting the ball out to the wing. If you if you look at the tries, it's because we got the ball out wide. And, and before it, that, I, I can't think of the ball, time we got the ball out wide. It, it's, in, it's interesting, because I mentioned before that they had the, 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 the blitz defence really, really high, the French. And like like you've said, the the one out runners, and I and I listened to um to the egg chasers today again breaking my usual golden rule. But the the valid point is, England expect. I think England thought that they would just keep peppering away at France, just keep one out, keep one out, two out, one out, two out, whatever, and eventually the French would crumble. But they didn't. It was England that crumbled, and. It, we would knock the ball on or we would give away a penalty for holding on. And it was just, you know, it was littered. The first half was littered with individual errors, as I mentioned, Furbank and Farrell. Um, Laws knocked on a couple of times. Sinclair did. Um, you know, we can talk about the Olivon try where, you know, what's, what's the first thing you're taught as a kid to, to do? To play your laces up? Did, I, I was going to say, I mean, May, two fantastic tries, but he owed us one. Yeah. Uh, because he, you know, he just, like you say, just stopped playing. I mean, did you, did you hear Johnson at halftime? No. He just went, I'd have wiped him out, whistle or no whistle. Yeah, well, exactly right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, 
it was just I with with May. It, I'm, 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 am I right in saying he picked up rugby quite late? And I think sometimes he just he's, he's not almost natural in what he does. Yeah. And um, you know, I think he just he just sort of almost froze a little bit with with that ball because it was a slightly weird situation, wasn't it? In that it had been charged down and then it looked very much like a knock on 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 the replay. But I guess you know they're looking for something clear and obvious. So but fair enough. Still, you still. Oh, yeah, still uh, yeah, of course, God, of course. Like but 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 what I'm saying is perhaps you know, it just you know he just froze in the one second and and you know, it was was very gone. yeah it was it was you know it was bad play and and as I say he did owe us a couple of tries and fair play he did come and score two crackers so you know fair play to him but even once he scored uh, you know we got down in there 22 we didn't really look like scoring at any stage no. um, you know I think. Some of our subs came on and did pretty well. Um, Genj, especially. Well, so Gen- Genj, lose... I want to give a special. Sorry, Phil. I want to give a big special, no, no. A special shout out to Genj and Ludlam because they are both quite angry-looking young men, aren't they? <laughs> they, but th- but they added that when they came on. They they seemed to come on and add a bit of bite to England. I mean, the first thing Genj did was absolutely marmalise Untermac, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, had a little bit of a fracas or whatever, and you know, you got then Cow and Dicky being abrasive as well. All those mewling Irish and Welshmen saying, "Oh, he needs to be sighted." I'm sick of these cheap shots. Fucking bore off, mate. What a load of rubbish. Um, after they've scored, after the French scored their third try, there. Um, I just, you know, that's what England needed from their team yesterday. But it came sixty minutes too late. Yeah. Well, you lose Billy, or we've Billy's not there. Mako's not in the team, um, and then you lose to Alangi. So you've lost three big ball carrying options. So what do you replace them with? You shift it round and put a second row on the flank. You've got Joe Marler who will do anything to avoid having to carry the ball, um, and you got Jonathan Joseph taking a crash ball. We had our three biggest carrying players sat on the bench for 60 minutes and our biggest carrying back sat on the bench for 70 odd minutes. Like and get, get Genge, Karen Dickey, Ludlam. If you're going to, if, if you're going to pick Devoto, particularly for playing against France and Tua Lange goes off, you stick Devoto on as quick as possible. Like, yeah, I get, but... I get that Joseph is a, is a uh, highly talented player. And I, and I really like Joseph. But if you've got Ford and Farrell inside, there's, they need an outball. And Jonathan, Jonathan Joseph, you. I thought that they took a bit too long to realise and move, you know, and I didn't think George Ford didn't have his best game. I don't think he had his worst game. He just didn't do anything. It was just, you know, it was one of those. He didn't make any any particularly poor mistakes. But when when he went off and Farrell moved inside and we had Devoto and Joseph, all of a sudden we looked like we could attack the outside shoulders. Yeah. And we had that ability. Whereas previously they were just they were trying to send Joseph in up up the guts in, into the big hard lines. And he's not that type of player. He's he's a he's an on the outside shoulder type man. And this is where unless you're unless you've got a relatively passive defense or you've got the ability to read it heads up and, and put the chip kicks in and stuff. This is where having Ford and Farrell in the 10-12 axis 
or the, the two playmakers, doesn't that just have to be Ford Farrell? Because they know that Farrell isn't going to run that hard 12 line off 10. So essentially, you're, play, you're playing with two 10s and he's going to be a second standoff, which means your 13 has to do that hard carry. And now, when you've got Manu Tuolangi, fine. That, that's no problem because he will do that job. But when when Farrell, um, when Tuolangi went off, I think Farrell has to res- assume some responsibility and look to do a little bit more carrying. He does it. If he's going to play 12, he needs to carry the ball a bit more. Well, the thing is once, so when Tuolangi took his couple of balls early, he was taking them either off nine or off a fairly flat forward. And he was keeping their defense honest. He was stopping the, their line speed by doing that, which, which made the space out the back. As soon as he went, the French line speed just stepped up. And what happened was Ford went five yards further back, Farrell went five yards behind him, and all of a sudden we're playing rugby 20 yards back without without a viable hard-carrying threat. Ford put in a couple of pretty good territorial kicks, but there was nothing there looking to exploit the, sp- the space at all. And as I say, it, it comes back to the, we have a game plan and we're going to stick to our game plan, whatever the personnel, and it's it, it doesn't work. You can't replace Billy with Courtney Laws playing at six. And that that is that is been a criticism of this England side for quite a while, isn't it? Is the the ability yeah. to to switch when things aren't, and we don't know whether that is a coaching point, whether that is something they're not allowed to do. They've got to stick to the plan. We don't know. Um, we've had a couple of questions in around the England, uh, the around the England setup. Uh, driving more. So Paul, hello. Uh, will Eddie ever pick players in their positions? And a follow and a follow up question is that from uh, from Ben G is uh, will Eddie ever pick the best players at that at their positions? Um, we've we've mentioned the Curry eight debate. Um, you know we've got Don Brandt and Simmons and you know Nathan Hughes whose ships probably sailed and Tamara Harrison the same. Um, if we're not careful, I know Doug mentioned this last week. If we're not careful, Alex Dombrant could become the new Don Armand and Danny Cipriani. Um, so if we just ignore it and I think don't the thing speak, is, speak about it, I think the thing is with Eddie, he's, he's it's almost like uh, what's happened with the All Blacks over the past 10 15 years. You, you get in, they have a look at you. If they don't like you, you're out, and that's it, your chance is gone. Um, if your face doesn't fit at a certain time, you're no longer on the the list, the pool for, for people to be picked through, from. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's the right way to do it. Um, I expect at some point we'll probably all go through what we would like to see for the, for the next game. Um, but it has to be people playing in their, in their positions. This whole second rows playing at six thing is a, is a pile of horseshit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Ben? Yeah, well, you know my views on that as well. I don't think it's ever worked. Um, whether it's you know players as good as Atoji and Laws, it just doesn't seem to work. Um, I, when I England, just, just sorry Ben, just while you're there, when were England at their best at the World Cup with Curry and Underhill at six yeah. and seven? What, what, flankers what, playing flankers. What what makes it even stranger is okay, you, you've you've moved um, Curry to eight, so so then you've got Mobile eight, you've got Mobile seven. You've you've brought Yules into the second row, who's pretty mobile, um, and then you put a second row in the back in the back row. So your six is less mobile than it was in the last game. So there's no there's no even consistency there. 
Um, to me, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I like, I like Don Brandt. I think he's a very good player, but uh, you know, I don't want to get carried away and he's not the answer. Um, you know, he's not hundred percent going to cure everything, but at least he plays number eight, Yeah. you know, or, but you know, look at the squad now, you know, they've named the 35 squad this morning. He's not in it. So, so we don't need to worry about him at the moment, but. So got... be, you would think you would like to think that they would go with Earl or Ludlam, wouldn't you? Well, I think you know Ben Earl makes a lot of sense. You know he's he's a strong carrier. He's in form. He's used to filling in for Billy. Yeah. Um, so you know at least you know he's not the same kind of player as Billy, but he he's probably used to playing in a side that that needs his um, his sort of set of skills. To, but, to that's, that, but that's what I don't understand is the fact that, you know, we've got Ludlam who's played eight. We've got Earl that's played a large number of games at eight or a decent number of games at eight. Yet he chose to pick Tom Curry, who, as far as I can see, hasn't played any real competitive rugby at number eight. Well, it doesn't make any sense. No. And you've seen, you know, Australia before have gone with uh, Pocock at eight or... South Africa have gone with um, low at, at eight, haven't they? But those those are teams with really experienced back rows um, yeah. and, and really experienced players fitting in. And, you know, South Africa at least certainly went back to, uh, as soon as they could, they got Vermeulen back in there, who's an absolute lump of beef. Oh, and, um, and the Chiefs do it with Kovacic as well. But what all of those teams have in common is they've got, big ball carriers elsewhere putting their hands up and doing the ball carrying bit. Whereas Courtney Laws, as much as like I, I have so much time for Courtney Laws, but he's not a big ball carrier. No. That's not no. what he adds to the team. No, and Marrow, I mean, and Marrow isn't either. Yules didn't get involved. I mean, he had a couple of handling errors as well. He didn't really do much to help his cause, I don't think. I thought when George Cruz came on, I th- we we were started to improve all round. Yeah. You can't kind of attribute that to him directly, but I thought we, you know, we were in that period of improvement when he was on the pitch. Similarly, Genge and, um, similarly Genge and Ludlam. The sooner we get rid of the fucking walking eyebrow, the better. I'm sick to sick to death of the guy. Not even going to mention his name. Absolute wand. Um, I thought he was next to useless. Sinclair didn't have his best game. I told you didn't have his best I, game. I think that was the worst I've seen Sinclair play for England. I don't know if the transfer thing's been bothering him or what. Yeah. But he just he looked so. You you sent me a WhatsApp at the time, Ben, that he looked disinterested. He was getting the ball when we were five meters out and dropping to the ground before contact. What's the point? And and he was the whole the whole point. Yeah yeah, it's to tie people in, but the whole point is to get some forward momentum. But and especially it, when we didn't have any. And, yeah. and you know, they've had success with him uh, being a distributor, but that was all he seemed to want to do. It was it was very strange. And, you know, and he, sh- he shoveled on some shit as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you know, one bad game certainly doesn't um, mean he should be dropped or anything like that. But oh no. You know, but but I think you know it does have to be noted that he didn't have his best game. Um, I, I, think... I would like to see Genge come in. I, yeah. I, I think if Watson's fit, he should be playing at fullback. Um, and they've they've got a real decision to make in the centres because is Tuamangi so... going to be fit? No, 
No, I think he's he'd probably be done. I reckon. Well, it's groin, groin strain, so they don't. Yeah, they don't really know. Um, so yeah, for me, it it's Genj. I'd like to see Karen Dickey given the start rather than assuming it's George all the time and see what he's like from the start. Um, I still think you've got to go with Sinclair and just put it down to a bad game. Yeah, I think. So. I'd like to see it. Itoji Laws, Cunderwood. I'd like to see Ludlum starting at eight, Ben Earl on the bench. Um, I'll ignore the next position. <laughs> I, I think you probably go. You probably go either Ford Farrell Devoto or Ford Devoto Joseph. Uh, Farrell Devoto Joseph, and I think I would probably go Farrell Devoto Joseph. Um, stick with the wingers and Watson at fullback. I don't have much. In, I'm not in much in disagreement with that. No, I think um, that would be my back line. I think, it's, it's, especially against Scotland, which is more. It's, I, I'm a firm believer in in horses for courses selections. So, like in 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 the World Cup, you know, not playing Ford in that final against Diolande and those big, powerful South Africans probably wasn't the best option. You play. You could have played Farrell at ten. Um, to Alangi at twelve and brought in another another big guy at thirteen to you know to to play around with that. Um, I think against Scotland it's a little bit more mobile and it's a little bit more nimble. So, but what I still would do is I would move Farrell to ten, and I would play Devoto and Joseph, and I would I would see I would see how that works because as we've mentioned, Devoto, Devoto carries hard. And he carries straight, as well as having some pace to go outside shoulder as well. Joseph thrives on outside shoulder ball, so we can start to stretch that. I just think it's easy for teams to defend knowing that Farrell isn't going to run from 12. So, you know, they can rush up, they can blitz on the outside because you shut down Farrell's passing lane, he's got nowhere to go. Whereas if that's Devoto, for instance, he can he can step and and run straight and carry hard in. Um, but you know, based on your on your selections there, I agree with Ludlam. I'd like to see Ludlam start at eight, and I'd like to see Earl on the bench, and just say right, well, there's your back there's your back row cover. You've got a six, seven, and eight, you know, cover, and you've got four players that could all pretty much do three jobs. You know, obviously we don't want to see that happen. But if you've got Earl on the bench and you lose Ludlam, you've got some eight cover, but you've also got someone that can play six and seven as well. And then you could look to use your bench. And if you had um, Cruz coming back in, which I would pick, um, and then maybe have Laws on the bench, who could also be an emergency six, but as well as a second row. So you get a bit of flexibility on your bench. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with um, Cruz uh, and Otoje. And I, 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 well, like I said earlier, I think I would probably start Earl at eight. Um, I agree with your backs. I, I'm not convinced Farrell's playing very well at the moment, but my, my sort of gut feeling is to go with him at 10 uh, for this next game with um, Devoto and, and Joseph. And yeah, I think Phil probably had the back spot on. Um, I would like to see Ted Hill get a run at some stage in the tournament. Um, but I'm not sure Scotland's probably the best time. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, don't go mad, but I think a, a couple of changes do that side just, good. Just a couple of tweaks and a, cha- and a change of emphasis. So the, the, the issue I skipped, 
I can't see how Ben Youngs can have any future playing for England. His ball is too slow. His box kicking is awful. His his pass is actually pretty bad. It's, it's a mystery. It's a it's mystery. A, mate. It's a really slow pass. If you look at the speed from his hand to the player, it's 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 awful. Um, so it's it's slow enough him getting to pass the ball, but the the pass itself is crap. But then when Willie Hines came on, he was just a a slightly better version of shit. Um, he wasn't lightning quick with his passing, and we have so much talent at scrum half. Yeah. You could it's, you it's could pretty you could pretty much pick any other scrum half in the Premiership, and they would guarantee they'll do a better job. But also they've they've got a much better future at, at potentially offering it. So yeah, Christ. I mean I'd like to see Spencer, you know Robson, yeah, um, you know I think you know even Will Cliff. Ran, St- ha- St- uh, Harry Ran- into it. Randall from Bristol. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a good player. Um, we've got so some more. Go with, on, go on. I was going to say with the squad, then I'd probably start Hines and have Mitchell on the bench. But and, the one and, thing Hines did do well was his his box kicking was a lot better than Young's. So yeah. and I think if, and I think if you're going to have if you're going to pick Willie Hines for that very nature, then sh- to me. It would make more sense to start him as a game controller. If you're going to play a little bit of a box kick game, then you want your box kicking to be better early on to to bed yourself into the game rather than towards the end. I don't see what Will Willie Hines offers as a, as somebody coming off the bench. I think it's a bit odd. A um, couple more, a couple more questions. Uh, Dan Cure, who's one of one of our long time listeners, has, has said. Has there has a fixture between England and Scotland at Murrayfield ever been anything than a miserable, cold, rainy, dreary, porridge-strewn, haggis-wielding festival of mud and tears watched on by blue-faced pipers? I honestly don't think I can be bothered, and that's without mentioning Ben Youngs. Um, Chris Jones, is the Lensman available to play at nine against Scotland? Amazon could deliver forward a ball quicker than Youngs, even without prime. Um, Marty, uh, if... Eddie Jones was trying to continue his plan of hard carrying in the centres after Tuolagi came off, then surely Devoto would have been a better option than Joseph. Phil, that's what you said a few minutes ago. Uh, Farrell and JJ didn't even cause a ripple, let alone make any line breaks or a decent yardage. Uh, Frank Aldinho, uh is selecting players from the bottom two teams in the Premiership harming our chances? <laughs> or is his two um, uh, and Patrick Jackson? Did does Eddie Jones give a shit about the Six Nations? Is it all about him preparing for the World Cup for him? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty harsh to say he doesn't give a shit about the Six Nations, but I think he has said in the media around potentially rebuilding. Um, the irony is rebuilding without actually doing much rebuilding. Yeah, that's bollocks. You don't you don't rebuild from losing a World Cup final. You don't need to rebuild from that. What you need to do is work on the little things. And what you need to do is make sure that you're getting the players through for four years' time, not continuing to flog the same broken shit like Ben Youngs and Joe Marler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Steve Hacking has asked, what is England's attack strategy under the new coaching team? And what should it be? Asking the second question for a friend. So <laughs> the, third, the first one, um, what is England's attack strategy under the new coaching team? And it didn't seem to be too different to the last 
strategy that we had at the World Cup, which was let's basically try and get the ball to Tuolagi and see what he can do. Um, and, and offer him as a decoy to get the ball to Johnny May and um, Anthony Watson, who obviously wasn't fit for this game. But uh, it's hard it's hard to keep that game plan going when you don't have the level of ball carriers to, to get you go forward ball in the first place. Exactly. So the, the, the attack strategy is hard lines, get some go forward ball, suck some people in and then spin it wide and take advantage. But we went wrong on the first bit. What should it be? It, it should be flexible. It should, it should have the ability to respond to the pitch. Um, as bonkers as that may sound. And and actually, on Saturday, as I say, I, th- I think France were great. But there were opportunities there. We just didn't take advantage of them. There was big gaps in behind. There was spaces out wide. There was actually... So in the second half, Johnny May took a... I think, it, I think he took a ball, an inside ball off a line-out, something like that. Made a half-break, made 15 yards... Then somebody did a quick pick and drive off it. I can't remember who. And then there was so much space open wide and Ben Youngs took about four seconds to pass the ball. So we were at times creating opportunities. But, yeah, what should it be? I don't think it should be that different from what it is. You just need to pick the players to make it work. And if it's not working, play a tactic suit the players you've got. Yeah, Ben, what do you think? I think England's, yeah, I think really England have always sort of used their heaviest carriers sort of off um, Ford and Farrell as a, as a, as a rule, um, sort of hitting in the sort of 10, 12 channel, uh, a little bit of pick and go, and then, and then the ball sort of out the back behind the carriers. Uh, but I think in this game, they just didn't have enough decoy for it to really work. And then when that, when they tried to create um, a bit of doubt in the defense's mind by battering into it, there was no heavy enough ball carriers to actually create a dent. Uh, so they kind of got caught between both both stalls there, really. And I don't. I think they're going to have to change it up a little bit because without, well, looking at the squad, they just don't have the heavy ball carriers that that they they do rely on. So, um, which almost means they've got to rely on quicker ball. So yeah, they well, rely on the, the speed of the flankers getting around yeah. the pitch. So they get around the quick ball to get it out quick. And then you've got Ben Youngs that's taken an age to get it out of the ruck. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was very confused on on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good way to put it. And um, it might be worth worth leaving it there for, for England. I'm sure we could talk about many things for, for most of the night. Uh, quick mention for... The Premiership Cup, Harlequins put out a near full strength side to demolish Exeter 49-22 yesterday at Sandy Park. So congratulations to them making it to the final of the Premiership Cup. Good chance Rob, of silver. Rob, uh, Rob Shaw's announced he's leaving, isn't he? Yeah, he's done that today. And he's not mentioned the word retirement either, which makes you think he's he could be off to France, possibly. Japan. or America. Japan, America. America. That's the, the big room is America. He's going to get paid somewhere, isn't he? And his missus is, his missus is a singer, isn't she? Classical yeah. singer. Maybe she's going to try and get out to America and do some bits as well. So, yeah, fair play, Chris Robshaw. You know, Harlequin's stalwart. Was he captain when they won the, the premiership? 
I think he was, wasn't he? He was, he's, yeah. He's been, you know, a great servant to Harlequins and, uh, yeah, fair play and, and good luck. Um, any other rugby related business for you, gents? You want to you wanna bring up? I just um, first round of Super Rugby this weekend and um, our surrogate team, um, Sunwolves, made a cracking start. Uh, beat the Rebels 36 27. And, and actually, looking at the team they've got and the squad they're building, I think they've got a bit. They're a bit of a force to be reckoned with. I'm not not saying they're going to beat the Crusaders or anything, but fingers crossed they go well. Spirit animal, the Sun Wolf. Bless them. They're very very cute, aren't they? <laughs> um, ben, oh, that mascot. No, oh, scary scary bastard. Um, no, I think Six Nations is the main event this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, we we have had another question. is is slightly different, and this might take us down a bit of a rabbit hole. But one to think about is from um, Steph Nine Lieb. Um, I believe he's a friend of Ben Gulliver, uh, who listened to the pod for the first time last week. Uh, dropped some feedback in, so thank you very much for that. But the the question is, um, what one if you could make one law change, what would it be? One law change. Uh, probably the the human centipede to try and speed it up. Oh, that's horrific, isn't it? Do you see the the picture of the Exeter one? Yeah, uh, and, and and they've conveniently cut out all of the Harlequins. You know, they've they've chopped the picture, but it's still not very good. What happened to the actual art of box kicking? What happened to actually learning how to box kick under pressure? It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. Ben. Well, the- the, the one that always used to drive me mad, which they seem to be slowly re- phasing out anyway, was the um, when players got tackled and then they got back to their feet, but the tackler had hold of a shoelace and they would get penalised for it. I always used to think if you could get up, then you weren't held. Um, and, and the referees seem to be a bit more lenient with that one now. And, and players are, are doing a lot of rolling and uh, and sort of making a bit of ground on, on the ground. Um, the other one, I, I cannot understand why um, when teams get uh, a penalty uh, and kick to the corner from very close, re- you know, when they when they have a line out, they win a penalty at the line out, why they make them kick into touch again? Because they they pull the line out back to the five metre line anyway. So you um, think they should, should be a five metre line out? If you just, have a penalty, penalty ten- inside the five metre line, you've got an option of scrum, scrum, Line out or penalty? Yeah, Take just save yeah, save yeah. a bit of time. I, I I can't see why they don't do that. Here's here's one that I'd like to see. Um, I'd like to see. You know, like in the NFL where they where you got the hurry up offense, where you can just go in and form up, and you know if you're ready, you can pretty much go. You know, and that's and the defense has to line up. And I would like to see a world where. You know when teams are trying to slow it down, like yesterday with the French, um, we had a, a scrum underneath the French posts, and the game was was kind of won by the French, but they were just about to. The clock was rolling like seventy six minutes, and they were just about to get down, and one of the French props just stood up because you know there was yeah. nothing wrong. He just stood up. Yeah. Now what? We just just wasted another thirty seconds because, and ironically, Nige actually stopped the clock at that point and said why did you stand up there's nothing wrong just just get on with it 
and then put the time back on, and then they had to reset for another 30 seconds. What I'd like to see is if you're an attacking team or, or a defending team, or more than likely an attacking team, if you get there and form the scrum and you are ready at that scrum formation, there is a a like a shot clock where you've then got 30 seconds to get that scrum going. So the defending team, they can't just meander over, you know, let the clock run down, take the time, stand up, sit down, fall over, whatever. You get like a shot clock. And if you're not ready within that time to scrummage properly, then the opposition get a free kick. So on, on yeah, good point. On, but on that point, um, there were, England had two scrums down there. French collapsed one and never got penalised for it. Um, and I think that's probably the only thing I would criticise Nigel Owens for in the match at all was there were a couple that they, they were obviously getting mullered um, and uh, he didn't ping them for it. And then the second one was exactly the same as that first uh, first scrum. Curry missed the ball and the ball came flying out the side. If you have a proper number eight there, it's a try every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hines, Hines got mullered, didn't he? And tried to play the yeah. pass, knocked on, and it was all over. Um, yeah. And then Dupont kicked it behind with a minute to go. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the game was won and and actually yeah, yeah. it was quite a whether you think he did it on purpose, knowing that the game was won and they could only get one score, so it would be um it would be a win anyway, guaranteed. I just think he misread the clock and he just tried to kick it off. Anyway. Um but yeah, I'd like to see that that shot clock for the scrums and just make get them formed up, get them done, get them ready. And if you're not ready, free kick and the game and the game is off. It would soon speed up scrum time. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's a real shame because I think scrums are an integral part of rugby. I think they're they're absolutely necessary and they've become the enemy of anybody watching a game of rugby. Or you, um, or you just do it, or you just do it in the last 10 minutes of each half or the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. So so you do it like a bit like a, a two after the two-minute warning. You just So for the last 10 minutes of the game the scrum has to be set and ready to go within 30 seconds. Or, or you up. stop the clock. Or you or, stop the clock for yeah. scrums in the last five minutes. And, yeah. the clock, and the clock only starts when the ball gets put in. So it's, time, it's... So, so it's time on. So it'll be time on, crouch. So literally like time on, crouch, yeah. and then you're into it. Crouch, bind, engage, time on. Start the time on engage. Oh. And then there's absolutely no, because no there's, because there's, 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 yeah, that's true. Yeah, but they're, they're you know, once that engages on the time, it's like that. Well, I suppose like then you say France time off. It's like that it would, France Wales game that took 108 minutes or whatever it was. It would stop. It would stop the um, potentially the early shove as well in the scrum because if yeah. you go crouch, bind, set, um, time on. Then you know what's the what's the point in pushing early to collapse a scrum or whatever? If the time's not on, time's not on. Anyway, yeah. that's what I'd like. To, that's what I'd like to see. Just some a little bit more legislation around scrum time. Um, let's get on to some any other business. Uh, ben, any other business for you today? Um, like yourself, I watched the Super Bowl last night, and um, I actually managed to doze off for the critical period of the fourth quarter, uh, <laughs> where the comeback happened. And uh, all I can say is if they hadn't have wasted half an hour with a halftime show, I'd have seen the end of the game. Um, 
That so, was quite quite some sight, Shakira and J Lo in that halftime show, though, wasn't it? it? Yeah, I mean, I will admit that. But um, you know, for the sake of us uh, people like me, I think they should forego the millions of dollars and um, just let people watching it on their own in Cornwall get to the end of the match. Oh, bless Phil. Um, yeah, so I took Charlie, a little seven-year-old, out for a bike ride on Saturday. Um, and I thought, just go for a little ride down the bottom of the hill, down the road, and then up as far up the hill the other side as he can be bothered going, then we'll turn around and come home. But the little monster powered his way all the way up a three-kilometre climb up to the very top. And I got to the top and I said, we've got two options. We can go down a hill here and then up another big hill to get back home or we can just turn around and go and he went let's go the long way so we went for a for a 9k bike ride which was three 3k of climbing 2k of descent and then another 4k of climbing and not once did he complain he just kept pedaling the whole way like a little machine he's got like a little machine he's got untold amounts of energy that kid though isn't he i know and he's got the the body for cycling as well I've got the body for downhill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Momentum. Yeah. But yeah, so came came to out average speed of 13 kilometers an hour, which for his little legs is going some. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I haven't really got anything. As I say, I mentioned Doug beat me at golf today, which was really, really disappointing. I won't use excuse like he had 10 shots and all those other bits and pieces. I won't do that because he beat me fair and square, and he actually played very well. Um, we're no longer in Europe. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing will be remains to be seen, but apparently that's all happened now, and the world hasn't ended. So, uh, you know, we're all still plodding along. Um, and and that's about it, really. It's It's been it's been quiet. So we'll look forward to the, the second round of Six Nations matches. Um, the first weekend was good. Let's hope it gets a bit better for England. Um and yeah we'll be back no doubt next week uh it's been a pleasure as always thanks gents for your company and for your insight and and chat and uh we'll speak to you all next week go well sports social podcast network